Hello, Avenue. My name is Pastor Lindsay, and I want to welcome you to church today. We are right in the middle of our Duna Toast series. This is our word for the year that things are possible, able. God is powerful, and He is strong, and He wants us to be too. Tell you what, if you're brand new with us at church today, I want you to just take a moment and text me at 702-727-8280. I am thrilled that you are joining us this morning. We welcome you. We want you to feel right at home at Avenue Church, and we would love to connect with you. So text me back so I can personally welcome you to Avenue Church. You know, we have some great things happening as a church that I would like to take a moment and share with you. We are only one week away from completing our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Y'all, we have done two weeks, and I hope that you've enjoyed engaging as a church throughout this fast with our daily devos from our team members. I have loved you guys hearing the different voices in our church. We have great communicators. We are blessed with great communicators. And we've also been connecting on the YouVersion Bible reading plan that we're doing together on the book of Nehemiah. So if you have not joined in yet, friends, it's not too late. We always say that at Avenue Church, it's never too late. So make the decision that this week I'm going to get on board. Go over to avenuechurch.cc and you can see all the resources that we have listed there so that you can get involved today. You know, as a church, we love to end our 21 days of prayer and fasting with a worship night. So on Sunday, January 31st, plan to be at our Buffalo campus at 6 p.m. because we are gathering for a powerful night of worship. I don't want you to miss this. It's a perfect atmosphere to hear me, hear from God, to experience his presence at greater levels, It's incredible and it will not be streamed online. Why is that? Why, Lindsay? Why will it not be available online? Because I want the cameraman to be able to engage in worship night. We literally go bare minimum when it comes to production so that each and every person has the opportunity to experience what God is doing in the house. So make sure to be with us next Sunday night at 6 p.m. One last thing I want to tell you before we jump into today's message, and this is actually for all the ladies in the house. So sorry, gentlemen, this one's not for you. But ladies, I would like to invite you to an event called She Speaks Truth on Saturday, February 6th. See, we partner with a wonderful organization called Ignite Life, and they host events all year long that equip, empower, and mobilize women all for Jesus. So I want you to take out your phones right now, hold them up over this screen so that you can open up your camera and place it there so you can get the link where you can purchase tickets. There is an in-person option and there's also an online viewing only option. So I would love to see you there. So come on, get those phones. Get those tickets because this is a year of dunatos where we are getting stronger together. And it's experiences like this that increase our faith. They strengthen our community and they prepare us for what God has in store, not for next season, but come on, I'm hungry in this season. I want to be strengthened in this season. So ladies, join me. So let's jump into today's message because I got to tell you, I have been waiting for this moment and I am fired up to share this with you today. See, I want to take you to Nehemiah chapter five. This is a fantastic book in the Bible. The way that it's written allows us to see the character development of Nehemiah. Now, I I appreciate the building up of his story from broken and burdened for Jerusalem to prayerful and determined before God and later the king of Persia to organized and meticulous to a visionary and a courageous leader. We get to see his calling from God go from revealing to completion. Now, I would like to compare that to a Marvel movie versus a DC movie. See, I am a boy mom and I love the Marvel movies. I've watched every single one. Some of them I have watched multiple times. I have arrived hours early on opening day in line for the Infinity War and the Endgame. Marvel does an incredible job 
at character development. If you agree, you could throw a hand up in the comment section right now. See, Captain America doesn't just randomly arrive on the scene and, and save the day someday. No, Marvel takes its time. So you can really get into the heart and the life of its characters. DC, on the other hand, <laughs> just throws you into a plot with characters jumping in and out at any time. I just cannot get on board with DC movies. If you're a DC fan, I'm so sorry. Like, yay, Batman. I just, I can't do it. So, but Nehemiah, I'm on board with Nehemiah. And I hope that you are too. Because he's a common person, just like you and I. And I don't want you to be offended by that. I want you to be encouraged by that. Hear me. You are special. You are important. You are uniquely designed by God. But as common people, the one thing that set Nehemiah apart was that he talked and he walked with God. We've got to see that. Nehemiah talked with God and he walked with God. It may sound simple to us, but it was a game changer in his life. See, he had an intimate relationship. He communicated with God through prayer on a regular basis. His life was lived for God. He modeled the word. His relationship with God was shown and lived out through his actions. So if you are sitting here today and you are questioning, how can I be used by God? How can I be a part of something bigger than myself? Well, then that's a good starting place would be right here, talking and walking with God. See, up until chapter five, Nehemiah has been leading himself and the Jews through some external issues. All right. These have all been external issues. They're rebuilding the wall. They're strengthening their city to protect them from their enemies. These are all external problems. Enemies like Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, right? They are surrounded by enemies. All of these are outside problems. But right now in chapter five, we're going to have an internal issue. Can you type that right now in the comments? Internal issue issue. See, as if Nehemiah didn't have a big enough leadership challenge and rebuilding a wall for an entire city, remaining steadfast against threats from the enemies, now he has to do with an internal issue. Hear me, friends, if you've ever envied a leader for power, if you've ever envied a leader or a supervisor or a manager for position, for opportunity, I can almost guarantee you that you don't envy that leader for the vast problems that they have to solve. Internal issues, they don't happen overnight. What we're about to see in Nehemiah chapter five is the eruption of a problem that has been brewing for a long time. You're about to see on the surface what has been happening underneath for a very long time. And finally, it's gonna come to a head and it's too much. And who's the man to solve the problem? Nehemiah. So here's the internal issue. Nehemiah chapter five, verse one. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. This is an internal problem. They were saying, we have such large families. We need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we've had to borrow money on our fields, right? They're borrowing money against their fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy. So here we have some financial, social, economic differences. And our, ch our children are just like theirs. Our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it. Friends, have you ever felt helpless? Have you, already, have you ever felt hopeless in a situation for our fields and our vineyards are already mortgaged to others. Friends, this is double trouble for Nehemiah. 
Not only were their enemies a constant threat to their security and the state of their well-being, but now many Jews were actually taking advantage of other Jews. My people are taking advantage of my people. Morale was already low. Friends, it's not easy to hold a sword in one hand and a big old heavy shovel in the other. We know that it's not easy to rebuild and to fight at the same time. The people are exhausted. They're scared. And now this, you guys, the pressure is already at an all-time high. How would you respond? I want you to put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes for just a moment. And I want you to think of all the emotions, the time, the countless thoughts, the brain power exerted, the resources already invested and spent for Jerusalem and his people. And now you find out family is taking advantage of family. What outsiders have been doing to us, we're doing to each other. Friends, let me make this as clear as possible in saying this. What the enemy has done to us, we are now doing to each other. Whew, that'll preach. What the enemy has done to us, we are now doing to each other. The rich were exploiting the poor, charging outrageous interest rates on borrowed money from their own people. These people have returned to their homeland. They have come out of slavery and captivity, and now they're being forced to sell their children back into slavery to pay their own debts and interests owed not to an outside force, but owed to another Jew. So what the enemy has already done to us, we are now doing to each other. Is this social injustice? Yes, absolutely. But let's go deeper than that. Their first injustice was to God's written word for their lives. Because hear me, they had God's rules. And in Exodus chapter two, verse 25, they knew these scriptures. They lived by these scriptures. It says, if you lend money to my people, to any of the down and out among you, do not come down hard on them and gouge them with interest. In Leviticus chapter 25, verses 35 through 38, if one of your brothers becomes indigent and cannot support himself, help him the same as you would a foreigner or a guest so that he can continue to live in your neighborhood. Don't gouge him with interest charges out of reverence for your God. Again, do you see this? The injustice isn't just being worried about what you're doing to someone else. You're also giving an injustice to God. Help your brother to continue to live with you in the neighborhood. Don't take advantage of his plight by running up a big interest charge on his loans and don't give him food for profit. Don't make money off your people. I am your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. You see, when God brought them out of their first captivity, enslaved by the Egyptians, God gave them some rules to live by so that they would not enslave and disadvantage one another. Guys, poor practices are easily picked up and mimicked. They are, and God knew it. So here they are generations later. Now they're coming not out of Egyptian captivity, but out of Babylonian captivity. And they slacked in the values. They ignored the structures and the law that were set up to protect one another. That's relevant to right now. What we wanted to be free from, we're now enslaving one another with. We're setting down God's word and his values, and we're picking up things that profit ourselves and hurt others. So if you were Nehemiah, how would you respond? You've got a sword and a shovel in your hand. See, Nehemiah wasn't a leader who watched the work. Friends, he was in the work. He was rebuilding with them. And now the people are intentionally hurting one another. Would you throw down both your tools? Be like, forget it. Empty your hands and walk away. I'm done with you, fellow Israelites. Or would you turn your shovel into another weapon, double-fisted, and you're just going to start whooping people because you're so frustrated? 
what would you do? How would you respond? See, I want you to see this real quick. Hear me, if Satan can bring distress and division from within, the cohesiveness will be torn apart and its effectiveness to function as a unit, it's gonna be destroyed. All that work, all that vision, it's all at stake. How would you respond if you were Nehemiah? Well, let's take a look at how he responded. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Nehemiah was angry. Anger is an appropriate emotion. It's an appropriate emotional response to injustice. See, Jesus experienced righteous anger, but what we need to know about anger is that anger is often protecting other emotions. Anger is like, I want you to imagine an iceberg. And anger is at the top of the iceberg. The anger shows it's above the water, but all those emotions it's protecting, those emotions are underneath the surface. You might be seeing anger, but what's really being felt by that person is sadness, disappointment, frustration, rejection, abandonment, you name it. All these things are under the surface, under the water. See, Nehemiah's initial response to all this was deep anger. His intense emotion was directed at certain people, okay? Not all people, but certain people's selfishness and greed and insensitivity. See, some people were hurting and suffering and those who should have been the most compassionate, those were the nobles and the officials. They were the ones that were the most guilty of exploitation. But here is where Nehemiah stands above the rest in leadership. And we can learn this is that Nehemiah chapter five, verse six and seven. Again, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry, but after thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and these officials. See, this is what everyone does is we all, right? This is the everybody. I was very angry. That could happen to everyone. But after thinking it over, that's what separates them. That's what the some people do. See, Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Another scripture in Proverbs 17, 27 says, he who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man or come on woman of understanding. I was angry, but I thought it over. And then I spoke out. See, this is where we mess up, friends. We go from getting angry to speaking out. And we skip the most important part of all this, which is, I thought it over. I love an old message of Pastor Jeremy's, pause, ponder, pray. You gotta think about why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? God, deal with how I'm feeling. Deal with the emotions. Deal with the overwhelming thoughts. So I know how to properly speak out. See, Nehemiah had every right to be angry but he did not take immediate action. Spending time reflecting on the problem enabled him to cool down, to see the facts in proper perspective. Because here's me, friends, you don't see things clearly when you're upset. And then he was able to decide on a course of action. You know, I've said this over and over again in regards to Nehemiah, that this is an Old Testament book. This is about the children of Israel who who are part of an old covenant relationship with God. And all that Nehemiah experienced took place before Jesus Christ. And you and I as saved believers in Jesus, our greatest example of leadership is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now hear me, I love the book of Nehemiah. I am learning so much from it. It is incredibly applicable to our lives. And I know that you are learning a lot from it too. But at the end of the day, I'm under a new covenant. I'm under a better covenant. I'm not saved by the law. 
I'm saved by the death and by the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I look to him as my greatest example of what to do, of how to live, of how to respond. I'm learning so much from Nehemiah's response to internal issues. But what would Jesus's twist on it be, right? What would be that additive that Jesus would put into this to solve this problem? Did you know that Jesus experienced internal issues? Now I'm talking real internal. Nehemiah was dealing with a large group of people with internal issues, right? But I'm talking what Jesus experienced was close to your heart, close in proximity to your life type of group. Okay, I want to take you to John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray betray Jesus. Friends, the devil is always working. The meal was in progress. The enemy was working on Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. So I want you to imagine this. Jesus knows exactly what is going on. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. He knows that there are some inner issues, some internal issues at this table. And with knowing all the things that he has to face and knowing that there is someone who has betrayed him at the table, he gets up from the meal. He took off his nice clothes, his outer clothing, the stuff that you wear, come on, to look good. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. He wasn't picking up a shovel. He wasn't picking up a sword. He was picking up a towel. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And if you continue with the story, you're gonna see that Peter is going to argue with him. He doesn't feel worthy. And Peter's one to always, again, talk exactly what he's thinking at that moment and not really uh, wondering and just being silent and seeing what God is doing. But I want to go a little bit further into this situation so we can imagine Jesus is washing all the disciples' feet. I actually want to go to this first. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and you call me Lord and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I love this. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is ever greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What can we take away from this situation that Jesus is in? What can we glean from his leadership so that you and I know what to do and how to lead and serve other people? Well, check this out. We need to honor one another. We need to serve one another and we need to love one another. See, we have to understand that we can be better than we are today. We've got to know that. And I don't want you to think that once we get past the ripple effects of 2020, that we're all good. See, generations before us, they have dealt with the selfishness and the sinful nature of mankind. And you and I are going to continue to deal with different hardships and heartbreaks that create these internal issues because of the selfish nature, because of the sinful nature. But there's something that I can do. We honor one another. We serve one another. We love 
one another. See, some of us need to change our approach on how we see people. Honor is all about how we see people. We need to change how we treat people. Serving is all about treating others with compassion and kindness. And we need to love better. And the greatest example of all of this is Jesus. To solve an internal issue is to take ownership over my responsibility in the problem and my responsibility in the solution. See, if we're just dealing with external issues, then we look at what they're doing to me. And how can I stop what's happening outside so it doesn't affect me? But when we're dealing with an internal issue, friends, we're looking at what am I contributing to the problem and what can I contribute to the solution? What am I responsible for what's happening? And how can I be a part of making it a better tomorrow? See, if you were here today and you say, Lindsay, you know what? I I can own that. I can do better. And I want to do better at honoring, serving, and loving others. I want to be a person. I want to follow the example of Jesus. See, if that is you, I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me? And I know that you might be in the comfort of your home. If you're driving, I do not need you to stand up in your car. You can raise a hand. But I want to pray for you because it's going to take leaders like you and I. It's going to take men, women, and children like you and I that are walking and talking with God, that are willing to get our hands dirty, like Nehemiah, that we're not willing just to say, oh, that needs to, be get, it needs to get done, but we're actually going to get in the trenches and we're going to get stuff done too. But we need to be like Jesus. We need to honor and to serve and to love. And that's why I want you to stand. Because we have a responsibility. We have an opportunity to respond to everything that's going on in our world, both externally and internally, with a way that Jesus did it, with ownership and responsibility, with honor, love, and service. So I want to pray for you today. Dear Jesus, we just thank you so much for how much you love us. We thank you, Father, that you set the most perfect example on the night before you were betrayed when you, Lord Jesus, Wash the feet of those closest to you, even if there was dissension, even if there was division, even if there were, God, poor, poor intentions at that table. Father, I thank you for the example of how you loved, of how you honored and how you served. And I thank you, Lord God, that you live inside of us and you can make us, God, encourage us to be more like you. So today we take responsibility. Help us to see the areas in our lives where we're contributing to an internal issue. And let us see the areas in our lives, God, where we can contribute to the solutions to that internal issue. Father, I thank you. In Philippians chapter one, verse six, it tells us that we are a work in progress and that our heavenly father, Jesus Christ, promises to carry it out in completion in us. So we are not receiving any condemnation for have, done, have been doing it wrong in the past. We're standing in victory, And God, with hope for a future that we can lead by example the way that you did. So Father, give us that unction. Give us that inspiration to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so excited, you guys, to have the opportunity to serve alongside of you. I love this church. And if you prayed with us today, or maybe this is the day that you're first wanting a relationship with Jesus and you'd like to reach out to us, would you please text me just briefly again at our phone number, 702-727-8280. And we would love to connect with you. Let's continue to grow in Dunatos and see God make an incredible difference through us in our city. I'll see y'all next week.